0: The reading today is from Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 through 9. It was not because you were greater than all other people that the Lord loved you and chose you. In fact, you were the smallest of peoples. No, it is because the Lord loved you and because he kept the solemn pledge He swore to your ancestors that the Lord brought you out with a strong hand and saved you from the house of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, Egypt's king. Know now then that the Lord your God is the only true God. He is the faithful God who keeps the covenant and proves loyal to everyone who loves him and keeps his commands, even to the thousandth generation. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Memory and thanksgiving. They are integral to the Christian life. We could sum up the whole of Israel's life in these two words. All of the stories captured in the Old Testament and in the life of the early church. We could call them memory and thanksgiving. Because God has created a people who remember from generation to generation how God has been faithful to a covenant of love. The scripture that Lane just read for us reminds us that God is faithful to this, not just for a few generations, but for a thousand generations. Memory and thanksgiving, they form the heart of our worship experience together. Today we have already celebrated a baptism, and in a few moments we'll celebrate communion. These two sacraments share with them a spirit of memory and thanksgiving. These sacraments, the outward, visible sign of an inward, invisible grace. The experience of God taking something ordinary and making it extraordinary so that we can remember the faithfulness of God. In the liturgy that we pray You heard me already in baptism. Remember the faithfulness of God to the people who were seeking freedom from slavery in Egypt. The faithfulness of God to Noah and to his family. The faithfulness of God to all the generations that we have named already. And when we celebrate communion, we will hear the cloud of witnesses named again. This week... We celebrate those in Scripture, and we also remember all who have died in faith. We are recognizing All Saints Day, which happens every year on November 1st. In our tradition, we remember those who have taken their place in what is called the Great Cloud of Witnesses. Hebrews chapter 10 mentions this cloud of witnesses cheering us on as we run the race of life. Whether you know it or not, you have been surrounded, enveloped, and cheered on by those generations of ancestors who have come before you and who create the cloud of witnesses. But this is more than just a race. It is a sacred journey. It is a journey that we do not make alone. It is one that we make together as a church family. A journey that we make with one another. A journey toward being fully alive. If you pause and listen, you may hear the echoes of your ancestors cheering you on right now. You may see a glimpse of their legacy in your life today. And one day, each of us who are gathered here will join that cloud of witnesses. We will cheer on those like Bernadette and those who have yet to be born and baptized. We will cheer on those generations who follow, as they take their sacred journey toward being made fully alive in Christ. Throughout this year, we have been focusing on the theme, We Make the Road by Walking. You may wonder, well, where are we walking to? Simply walking toward being fully alive in Christ. And we are following in the footsteps of those who have come before us. And we are leaving a trail for others to follow after us. I want to share a reflection on this experience of walking a path that was shared with me by Brother James Kester. He is a member of the Society of St. John the Evangelist in Cambridge. Brother James wrote this by saying, quote, I spent a lot of time thinking, pondering, and reflecting this past fall. Sometimes I simply thought about the weather or the beauty of the scenery. Sometimes my reflections were deeper as I pondered where I had come from and where I was going, not just that one day, but in my life in general. A lot of the time I thought about the path that was literally ahead of me. You see, I was spending two weeks walking Hadrian's Wall Path in Northern England. Hadrian's Wall Path, as its name suggests, is one of the great long-distance walking paths in Britain, following the 85-mile route of Hadrian's Wall from Walsund, just east of Newcastle, to Bowsness on Solway, to the west side of Carlisle. As you can imagine, walking 85 miles over the course of two weeks, gives you a lot of opportunity to think about a number of things. But as I said, one of the things that I thought about was the path itself. For a path to be a path, you have to be able to see it, more or less, or at least, or at least catch glimpses of it every so often. And for that to happen, someone needs to have walked it ahead of you. That person may be just ahead of you, you might be able to see them, But then again, they may have passed that way a long time ago. In either case, having gone ahead of you, they may have left some evidence of passing that way. It might be a shoe or a boot abandoned in the muck. They may have dropped something. They may have left a pile of stones to point the way. You may simply see a depression in the grass. They may have left a way marker inscribing it with an arrow. Whatever it is that they have left, it is a sign saying, This is the way. Walk in it. The path along Hadrian's Wall was opened about 30 years ago, but it's certainly not 30 years old. It is as old or older than the wall itself, which was constructed beginning in A.D. 122. Since then, thousands, if not millions, have walked the path as they traversed the width of England. Some of them have been ordinary folk like me, or the shepherds or cowherders who tended the flocks and herds which have grazed this land for millennia. Some have been soldiers and warriors, kings and princes, like Bonnie Prince Charlie and Edward I, or the Emperor Hadrian himself. Others have been saints and pilgrims on their way to bring the good news of Jesus to those far and near, like Hilda and Audrey. Each one of us who has walked that path has simply followed where someone has gone before. That doesn't mean that the path is not steep in some places, doesn't mean that it's not difficult to walk occasionally. It doesn't mean that it isn't confusing sometimes. All it means is that someone has gone ahead and said, this is the way, walk in it. November is a wonderful month in the church's calendar, full full of feast days like all saints and all souls, celebrating Martin, Margaret, Hugh, Hilda, Elizabeth, and Andrew. All of them have walked this path before us. And by the holiness of their lives, they show us the path to God. But like me on Hadrian's wall, they too followed others. And today we honor them, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Hagar, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, Moses, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and countless others who have walked the path to God doesn't mean the path isn't steep or difficult or slippery or even confusing. What it means is that there are others who have gone ahead to show us this is the way, walk in it. We may not be able to see them, but here and there we catch a glimpse. For thousands of years, our forebears in faith have been following the path to God. And while they may be invisible to our eyes, the path they walked stretches out ahead of us, beckoning us onward as we continue to take our journey into the heart of God. And as we have followed them, so others will follow us, looking for what we have left behind to mark the way. It may be a shoe or a boot abandoned in the muck, something we have dropped, a pile of stones, a depression in the grass, or a way marker inscribed with an arrow pointing the way. Or it simply might be the holiness of our lives that tells those who follow us, this is the way, walk in it. A path cannot exist unless someone has gone before and other follow after and each one of us leaves something behind to say, this is the way, walk in it.